Hey everyone, post-production Eric here. Just wanted to mention a couple things at the top before we get started with the new episode. First, just wanted to say thank you for your patience as we needed a bit of time to deal with some real-life issues, hence the delay getting this episode out. And the second thing we wanted to mention is this episode's release is being timed to coincide with the return of our coffee roast. Last year, we did a special run of a collaboration coffee with the fabulous folks at Rootless Coffee Company, and we're doing it again here in 2022. So this episode is being released around August 29th of 2022, which is the date the coffee has gone live. So you can head over to rootlesscoffee.com and check us out there. So the actual web link is rootlesscoffee.com slash products slash scary dash stuff dash podcast. So rootlesscoffee.com slash products slash scary stuff podcast. But if you go to the Rootless Coffee page and click on the collaborations page, you'll see us. We've got an updated label for the coffee for 2022 with a blue found footage motif. And the coffee is only on sale for one month, so be sure to get your orders in before the end of September 2022. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and let's get started with our 50th upload special. And welcome to a very special episode of the Scary Stuff Podcast. This is Eric Dellinger, joined by co-host Nick Leamy. Hey, everybody. How you doing? And Jacob Jones Goldstein. Here with a song in my heart tonight, fellas. We're going to talk about some songs tonight. but Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, welcome to our episode 50, sort of. This is our 50th upload episode. <laughs> so not as far as official episode numbering, which... Is all over the place, but yes, this is ostensibly episode 50. This is our 50th upload. Can you believe we've done 50 episodes? It feels like 200. <laughs> <laughs> About 200 hours. <laughs> That's just Eric's editing. <laughs> That's on the low end as far as... <laughs> Does that make 200 hours? Eric's like, 200 hours? Do you know how much you motherfuckers say, um... <laughs> <laughs> I was real tempted talking about episode numbering... Like, fuck it, do a comic episode and redo the whole crisis bit, but actually relaunch the pod with a new number one the next month. Nice. And brand it as the all new, all different Scary Stuff Podcast. <laughs> the extreme Scary Stuff Podcast. Well, if we do that somehow, we got to get Rob Liefeld to draw a guest logo. Oh, yeah. When we get to French New Extremity, we'll get like a Rob Liefeld or what, whoever did the lettering for, you know, it was a Tom Warzakowski who did it for Image when it first launched and yeah. did and, and just do us a. Do a special oh man maybe we should do a comic movie for 52 <laughs> it just occurred to me oh that would oh, be perfect oh we might have to do that <laughs> those french movies are gonna be rough yeah i'm not excited for that but for a new 52 <laughs> yeah we might have to do movie? oh yeah we might have to do another comic book movie for 52 i got some dan didio jokes that are just pent up in me yes this is ostensibly episode 50 we've uh this will be Movie number 114. Nice. Wow. Well, so if we want to talk about numbers, I, uh, in prep for this, I went, and this is a complete lie. I made all this shit up. <laughs> I went through and listened to all of our episodes, which I, I have done, and I counted. So I counted a bunch of different things. So I, I made a little list of the stuff I counted, and I didn't count it. I made up these numbers again. This is completely fake. But... <laughs> this ties in very well with the movie we're about to talk about. Yeah. And I refer to myself in the third person as I read this list to pretend like it's a real list and not just some bullshit I made up. So without further ado, 
Uh, here's in honor of our 50th episodes, the number of times we've done various things on this podcast, but it's not really true. I just made it up. <laughs> 250 times Eric has buried his face in his hands at something Nick or I said. <laughs> That one feels close. true, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Close, yeah. <laughs> uh, this one was on the low end, but you know. If you count one-handers, then yeah. Both hands probably were like <laughs> 127, but yeah. 131 times Nick and Jake have briefly bickered over something stupid. Again, that, that, a little bit on the low, low. side. Yeah. 131, <laughs> but well, it's 50 episodes. That's at least great. twice an episode, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. All, right, okay. all right, all right. And what, how many movies did we do, Eric, you said? Uh, this will be 114. 114. So 131 feels about right. There's not many we doubled <laughs> up on. Once there. per movie. <laughs> All right. So 23. 23 is the times Nick has complained about the community connection. <laughs> that definitely seems low. <laughs> As a preview, I'll tell you, it's going to go up one tonight. <laughs> That's definitely because there were three of them in Hocus Pocus alone. So, so uh, 49 times Jake has made Eric wince by making a comment about James Wan's films. That's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is followed by another one, which is the number one number of James Wan films we've done on the podcast. Yep. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> uh, all right. 98. So the times Jacob has complained about Nightmare on Elm Street winning the poll over Halloween. continuing on the theme of me 31 times jacob has told some meaningless story that was only tangentially related to anything and eric was very tempted to edit out but didn't now if you way low well no because it's didn't edit out if it's the ones he did edit out that number jumps way high way high uh 22 times eric has made jacob and nick laugh so hard he had to edit out 20 minutes of laughter (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> no no i feel like that's closer to like 40 but you know no you've definitely broken me many times 71 times nick's fabulously wealthy upbringing has come up oh my god <laughs> my wife owns the shirt she bought the shirt <laughs> she- fraggle rock money now available at tpublic.com I-, I am wearing my fraggle rock money shirt for this episode <laughs> damn you all <laughs> someday I'm going to see some stranger on the street wearing one of those. I'm just going to be like, God damn it. I'm going to have a breakdown right there. They're not even going to know who I am. Yeah, you're talking about all the times I made you guys laugh until you cry. What the audience doesn't know is Nick's wiping his tears with a 50. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the audience doesn't see. 15. Average number of movies Nick mentions when he does the credits for special effects and makeup guys. <laughs> I do love their work. <laughs> Three. Average number of movies Nick mentions for directors and everyone else when doing the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Can't lie. That's accurate. That's very accurate. Yeah, that one felt true to me. Like, I was like pretty sure that one was right. It's dead on. <laughs> Ten. Average number of fascinating script readings and information Eric has per episode that is vastly more interesting than whatever research Jake and Nick have done by reading Wikipedia like a couple of eighth graders. Yeah. That one's yeah. probably low, too. That, that's definitely low. <laughs> you don't have to worry about this with this movie. You don't have to worry about that this time. Could not find the script for this one. But I do have Wikipedia selections, so. <laughs> well, you upheld your end of the deal, so. <laughs> 115. Times Jacob has complained about whatever movie we happen to be doing. 
Now, again, you said we did 114 movies, was it? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. yeah. So that feels pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four times Nick or Eric has complained about whatever movie we happen to be doing. <laughs> that's, yeah. it seems low, but it's close. <laughs> it's really close. I don't think Eric has ever complained about having to do a particular movie. I did, but I did it to my, it was Fallen Angels and I did it to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't count I, that I literally one. did that to myself. <laughs> and, and Nick very rarely complains, whereas I'm, you know, a big baby about everything. So I figure that one's pretty accurate. You're eating good tonight, though. So. I complain on occasion. I have my moments. All right. And then the final one, which is 50, and that's the episodes I wouldn't trade for anything. Aww. Aww. That one I didn't make up. That one's true. Yay. So that that was my special thing for the 50th episode. I was pretty excited that we made it this far, and uh, uh, I can't wait for the next 50. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that, good night. You guys can talk about this fucking movie. I'm out. I'm going to go jam to Tim Crabtree. <laughs> so many Crabtrees in this movie. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the crab trees. I just want to talk one thing about crab trees up front. My favorite part that just boggles my brain. I don't know why this is true. You know, obviously a lot of the people. Don't you mean boggies your brain? A lot of people in this film were played by themselves, except Fred Crabtree, who was played by Jeff Crabtree. I saw that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so. Like, what the hell? It's like, I always wanted to be Jeff. <laughs> We're not going to get too far into this because I got, but so I had a running Crabtree counter for this movie. Nice. And there's four, there's four and a half if you count the two Travises. But so of those. So how, is that like a half a ding? Like the, the fucking talking about Crabtree? Yeah, half tree. Crabtree. We were talking about Crabtree. They are all technically, quote, in wrestling terms, shoot Crabtrees because they are all in fact Crabtrees. They are Buddy Crabtree, Jeff Crabtree. J.E. Smokey Crabtree and Travis. <laughs> but apparently Buddy and Jeff weren't exciting enough names. So yeah, Buddy and Jeff got WWE style rebranding where it's like, no, we got to change your name. Buddy is now James and Jeff is now Fred. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've got four shoot Crabtrees, but two with kayfabe names. So, Well, I mean, I guess we ought to talk a little bit about the movie we're doing tonight, which is The Legend of Boggy Creek. Because we haven't actually said its name so far. We've just been talking about crab trees. Yeah, no, but... Crab yeah. trees. <laughs> I'm talking about crab trees. It's nice when we discover a running joke 10 seconds into the episode. I'm gonna beat that shit to death by the end of this. Think of me a new t-shirt talking about crab tree. <laughs> <laughs> Not a game. Not a game. Crab tree. <laughs> no, so in getting into the movie we're doing, yeah, is, you were talking about, you know, the 50 fun things earlier and... 50 episodes and you know we've got a lot that we're thankful for you can go back to our christmas episode we did with ed brisson where we ran down you know a long list of folks we've thanked on the pod you know people who've been on it before we've had so many fabulous guests since then we've had you know matt johnson erica henderson michael marisi michelle swope alex segura john lees and so an astounding number of, of fabulous people and a lot of other fabulous podcasts but one of the reasons we're doing this particular movie so this is episode 50 we kicked around a few ideas for potential things for our 50th upload and jake provided a list of movies that were made in 1972 movies that are 50 years old and there were a lot of options but there was one movie that stood out which was the legend of boggy creek which stood out for a couple reasons jake is 
I think is going to talk about it. You have a bit of history with the film. Yeah. But one of the other reasons that makes this movie so appropriate is it was the gateway horror movie, at least according to a tweet, of Connell Bain, who has been an enormous hey, supporter of our Connell. pod. Thank you, and, Connell. We love you. Yeah. Connell has supported us for years and is Connell's the best. And we can't thank him enough for his support. And I've been wanting to do one of Connell's favorite movies for a while. And when we saw Legend of Boggy Creek on here, it was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to tell you right now, if it wasn't for Connell, because we love you, Connell, but if it wasn't for you, <laughs> I'd tell Jake to go shove it. We're doing Children Should Play With Dead Things. But <laughs> I hey, look, you. I tried to get that one before when we put it on the poll and nobody voted for it. So this is what you get. Two, the times Jacob has complained about Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. <laughs> <laughs> Might be three, but at least one other time. <laughs> but no, of all the films that came out in 1972, we are reviewing The Legend of Boggy Creek, a.k.a. The Falk Monsters, Hearsuit, Hoot Nanny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and again, Connell has mentioned that this was his gateway horror movie. I'm pretty sure this is the first horror movie I ever saw. Nice! Now, it's... I, I was, in fact, I was talking to my brother, I, you know, there's going to be another one, uh, one of those numbers, which is times my brother has been on the pod one words. My brother said on the pod seven, but, uh, <laughs> I thought that was a little mean and he's not going to listen. So fuck him. He's not going to hear this being me picking on him. <laughs> my brother's a man of few words, but anyway, we're talking today and, um, <laughs> we're trying to remember when we first saw it because we both have very vivid memories of it as a kid for a number of reasons, but. One of the first lines in the movie is, I was seven years old when I first heard him scream. It scared me then, and it scares me now. And I think I was about seven when I first saw it, seven, eight, nine, wow. right in that range. Yeah, because it's, again, I have very vivid memories of watching it. When I when we, when we it starts with that kid running, well, not the nature show at the beginning, because that could be anything, but with the kid running across the field, like I had a visceral reaction to that when I watched this, because I haven't watched this in years. But it's a movie that used to air on, Saturday afternoons growing up on, on Channel 11 WPIX or possibly Channel 9 WOR up in the Connecticut area. Well, they're New York channels, but we lived in Connecticut at the time. And I'm pretty sure it was PIX because they showed movies in the afternoon. And my brother and I would have watched this and we watched it probably a number of times. And th there's a particular scene in it that has stayed with me all of all of these years. And when I watched it again this time, aside from the kid running, it, it, it stood out at me. And it's, I'll just talk about it now because it, there's a scene very late in the movie where the monster is harassing a house and they finally, they think they've chased it off and the guy goes to take a crap and the monster <laughs> uh, punches in the window and he you know goes diving off the toilet. Growing up, I, I grew up in the suburbs, but my dad ran three summer camps for the, the United Methodist Church in the New York area. And they were uh, Camp Epworth. Well, there was at four for a while. Sessions Woods, which is on the border of Connecticut and New York. Epworth, which is up in the Catskills. One called Kingswood, which is it's not in the, it's in the southern New York region, but real backwoods kind of place. And then another one called Quinnipet, which is out on Tipalong Island, Shelter Island. But specifically, Epworth, Kingswood, and Shelters uh, Sessions Woods were all you know you're in cabins in the woods. You know, and they're creepy at night. And I'm a kid, you know, and I was easily scared as a kid. So I, I just remember going to, you know, the bathroom in these places that have, you know, these same mesh windows and always thinking that the Boggy Creek monster was going to punch its way in. You know, so 
like you know just i just remember being a scared little kid feet you know not touching the floor looking at the window thinking there's a monster out there nice and I, <laughs> rocking yourself like bart simpson yeah and that one can't poop sasquatch will eat me <laughs> <laughs> But, but also, we you know, whenever it was on, you know, despite the fact that we spent a lot of time in the fucking woods being scared of it, we'd watch it every time it was on because it was, you know, it was cool. And we like and I had a I've had a lifelong interest in. Holy shit, does this make me sound like a nerd uh, cryptids? You know, I've always loved stories about Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, all all of them. And I used to read these books by an author called uh, named Daniel Cohen when I was a kid, because they used to have them in my school library, they were all about, you know, these little tales about Bigfoot. And I remember used to, when people used to ask me what I wanted to be growing up, I would say a cryptozoologist. Nice. And, you know, they would look at me like I had 14 heads, which I was you know, <laughs> sort of a point if you want to be a cryptozoologist. And you know, they would say, you know, what the hell is that? Because, you know, expecting firemen, well, for me, they were expecting minister based on my parents. But so that was always a bit of a curveball. And then he'd explain it. You know, and then they would continue to look at you as sconce, and it probably colored my relationship with most of my family growing up, uh, thinking I was the little strange fucker that we should stop talking about Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always, a th- and I, I almost bought some Daniel Cohen books today on Amazon when I was thinking about all this as, as I was rewatching the movie. But it's one of those, like, I, like I'm, I've always been fascinated about this stuff. Like, we, and my, my wife is too, which is great because we, like, we went to, England a few years ago and one of our destinations was Loch Ness because fuck it you gotta go right like you gotta look <laughs> you know and, and it, that I don't know if anybody's been there that listens to this and maybe you can tell us on Twitter or whatever I'd love to hear it but that is a creepy ass lake like it is like you go there man it is creepy like there's a weird feeling there and it, it's a feeling I've gotten a feel, like I've been in the backwoods in Alaska where you just you feel like you're in a place where humans just kind of aren't in charge and uh <laughs> It surprised me to get that feeling there. And I, I've gotten that a few places, but those are the two I most remember. So, you know, maybe there's something to it. And, you know, I imagine like the Upper Peninsula in Michigan would have a similar feeling. And I was one, and that's where a lot of Bigfoot stories go. I think that's where all like the Squatch Hunter TV shows get filmed and whatnot. Like I've never gone so deep in it that I, you know, I'm out looking around for looking Sasquatch. For yeah. But like if I'm in the woods, I'm at least thinking about it. I respect it. <laughs> When I'm taking the ferry over Lake Champlain, I think about Champy at least once, maybe twice. <laughs> so, yeah. So and, and this movie really, I think, had a, at least fed into that because, you know, as a kid, I'm not entirely sure I knew it wasn't a documentary. I was about to say, so y- you've got potentially your first horror movie ties into your love of cryptids and probably on at least a few levels fed into your fondness for found footage. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, because uh, it it is and the music very similar. Oh yeah, and the music is banging in this shit. Holy goddamn! <laughs> like, so this could be the like the er point of my entire existence, really. Like, if there was some punk rock in there or a uh, comic book, <laughs> that'd have been all. Except the only book that in it is the one that the lady's reading, where she just keeps flipping the same page back and forth, <laughs> looking at it confused, like. <laughs> which I think was maybe a hymnal, but I couldn't tell. And I, you know, I tell you, I when I watched it. For the first time for this episode, my brother had a, a rip on a Plex server and his rip was from, I mean, it looked like it was, you know, filmed from a whole movie showing of it that somebody taped on their phone. Like it was awful, but it, it was, it felt like watching it. It's like, oh yeah. Cause I'm sure that's what it looked like, you know, growing up and watching it on a TV, you know, our little ass TV with the wavy lines on, you know, with the rabbit ears, mm-hmm. you know, all jumbled up. And then when I rewatched it, 
I rented it on Amazon because I wanted to see the remaster. It was like, holy fuck. I didn't know you could ever actually see the monster in this film. Yep. Like I, because in the, the one I was watching, it's like, it's just like, it's, it's so it's dark like and awful. Yeah. It's a smudge. It's like, yeah, it's a smudge. And I'm watching this remaster. I'm like, motherfucker's hairy. You can tell. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it was a revelation watching it in the remastered version. Like a whole different thing. Yeah. I think it was 2019 Pierce's daughter finally uh, got ownership of it again. And then she got it remastered and re-released. Yeah. And yeah, I, I watched the it HD looks great. version. Yeah. yeah, they apparently they they remastered it from the original negatives. In fact, so they were able to do a lot of HD work with it. It was it was impressive. Yeah, I had a quote from from actually the Legend of Boggy Creek website, which is uh, legendofboggycreek.com, all one word, no hyphens or anything. There have been numerous versions of the Legend of Boggy Creek released on VHS and DVD, and I think the one I watched was a pan and scan home video of watching one of those, but uh, it, was, it was really terrible. Funny. Most of these have not been good quality due to the media format and source material. 2018, a pristine copy of the original 35mm print was located by Pamela Pierce, spelled P-A-M-U-L-A, which is an interesting way to spell Pamela. I kind of dig it. Daughter of the director, Charles B. Pierce. Pamela is currently working with the Eastman Kodak Museum to restore the film to its original glory using 4K scan technology. Like Nick said, in 2019, the film will find... (laughs) This is an old note. 2019 the film will finally be available again as originally intended to be seen so that yeah and boy does it look good yeah like if you're like me and you're used to watching it you know on these horrible transfers that that remaster is worth it because it's a whole other thing it's cool yeah i think you can get the blu-ray from that site i think they got a lot of their cool merchandise like i i may or may not have ordered a t-shirt nice So, yeah, so I, I guess I got a lot of history with this film, more than I, I had really kind of thought of until we sat down to do it for this episode. Huh. Nick, do you have any history with the movie? None. <laughs> I have no None. history with this movie. The, the most outlandish connection, I can, like following Jake's community connection, it's like I've never seen this film, but everyone involved in this film made The Town That Turned Its Sundown, which I saw the remake of. So, <laughs> so that's that's my and that movie is in that movie. So, so that brings that. us to our community connection. <laughs> <laughs> Director Charles B. Pierce was in the town that dreaded sundown remake. He was in it. He was in a coffee shop and he's the one that made the original. And he narrated, too, I think. Wait, no, he didn't. Well, whoever narrated the original also narrated Boggy Creek. I thought it was, was him. That, no, it was Vern Stearman. Vern Stearman was the narrator in both films. Well, either way, Charles B. Pierce is in the the remake. Yes. I, I haven't watched it, but he's in it. The music for that was done by Ludwig Gorenson. Wait. Uh, Ludwig Gorenson did most of the background music on Community, including writing Get a Brita Brita, Greendale is Where I Belong, which is, shows up in a lot of episodes. And he also wrote That's What Christmas is For and Sad Christmas from Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. So, yeah. Ludwig Gorenson. So the guy who did, did the, the music for, for the that? remake. Yeah. Holy shit. I got For a town that dreaded sundown, yeah. Ludwig Gorenson's a fucking man. He's a yeah. He he did most of the music on Community. Yeah, you know he was the composer, and now he's huge as a composer. He also produced a lot of um, Childish Gambino uh, uh, music, which I thought was kind of cool. It's probably the connection from Community, but yeah. So that's yeah, a Community yeah, connection. He, he was an associate of Donald Glover's before Community as part of the Childish Gambino tracks, and yeah, and then he did Community. He's gone on to be an absolutely incredible film folks will probably know him. i'm guessing he got an oscar nomination for black panther for black panther but yeah now he's chris nolan's go-to but yeah you know shit i gotta i'm bumping i've seen the original town the dreaded sundown i haven't seen the quasi sequel quasi remake but it's going up the 
the priority list now because of that. It's funny. This was, this ended up being one of my favorite community connections just because I had never really thought about that. And I, I went and listened to a bunch of his stuff from community. So I was listening to those. A lot of his music on communities played in snippets here and there. You know, and when I would listen to it, when I was listening to just like these full versions of it, it's really neat to hear the pieces complete. Like that was kind of cool. And I enjoyed it. You know, and, and I have a, you know, I have a reaction to it because I remember scenes where it's playing and things like that. So, so this one, that was a lot of fun. I, and it was, I was glad to find something, even just one step removed because not a lot of, <laughs> no, that's not, that's not a lot of crab trees, you know, went on to careers as, uh, <laughs> nope. as fucking, uh, bit actors in sitcom. So, yeah. That's so, wow. That's funny. It, cause I remember I saw Creed, Ryan Coogler's movie Creed in theaters and I came out like, who did the yeah, music did that for that? Too. The score was fucking great. And I looked it up and it was a little bit Holy shit. He's the community guy <laughs> at the time. And now he's since gone on to even bigger projects. But yeah, yeah. He, he is a fan. Oh, everyone probably knows Mandalorian. He's the composer on yeah, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian so. All right. Yeah. So Nick hadn't seen. Okay. Uh, I hadn't seen this either. Really? But I was sort of familiar with it because I had seen The Legend of Boggy Creek 2. The official which one? one. Now, there's, yeah, there's the unofficial one. I saw the official one, it's which like Charles B. Pierce yeah. starred in. Yeah, it was in the 80s. And I've only sort of seen it because the way I saw it was it was MST. on Mystery Science Theater yeah. 3000 in season 10. Oh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> which I rewatched <laughs> for this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So I was wondering, like, why? <laughs> it was like, man, this movie feels familiar. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> but I never, I never saw the original. So this was my first time seeing the original. I've not seen any of the sequels or the quasi sequels or quasi remakes or you know even the the other folk mon- folk monster movie. I forget what it's called. Falk, but yeah, Falk. I didn't I didn't realize that the Falk monster was a real thing. Yep. Well, in fact, real. it has had eighteen sightings in the last ten years. Two in the last year alone. It was like a surge around like 97, 98. There was like a spike or something. Yeah, it's... Yeah, we're we're going to read the two 2021 ones. I got it right here. So, yeah, in 1997, there were more than 40 sightings of the Boggy Creek creature. And in 1998, reports said that the hair beast was seen walking around a dry creek bed about five miles south of town. So, yeah, it, it's still apparently up and about and exploring. There were two in 2021. It was, yeah, it was a few days after the witness saw a red-colored animal, see previous, and I should have read these in the right order, <laughs> 2021, a witness reports seeing a hairy ape-like creature run across a county road during daylight hours. He described it as looking like an orangutan with reddish hair. A few days later, after the witness saw a red-colored animal, a researcher sees what appears to be a large red animal move through the woods near Mercer Bayou during daylight hours. Like, this, this is still happening. And man, it makes me, well... It almost makes me want to go on a field trip. I don't have any particular desire to go to Texarkana, Arkansas, but but yeah, reports from seventy one to seventy four. I mean, there was a, there was really a the reason this movie exists is because it, it got some media that people kept seeing this you know this ape monster was legit you know, a thing, yeah, skunk ape, yep. <laughs> and you know, and and you read it, you know, reading more about it, it's like yeah, we're we're positive this is fake and these tracks were fake, and I'm like, and it's like fuck you, buddy, you're not positive. It's an infinite universe of infinite possibilities. You're 99% positive, which means there's a chance. That Stop this is real. stomping on my six-year-old heart. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I all right, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't find it particularly hard to believe that there might be hairy weirdness living in the woods in America. Because, like, there's hairy weirdness living in the goddamn suburbs. Like, I've talked to people <laughs> that if you put them in the woods, I would mistake them for a monster. 
you know, I, I, I'd be more willing to buy it in like Canada like, or Alaska, you know, le- less paved over. <laughs> well, I, but a lot of America isn't like we forget how big this fucking country is mm-hmm. and how much of it there is nothing in. Like I, I mentioned the, you know, the upper peninsula in, in Michigan, the outer, what is it called? It's not the outer banks. It's the outer waters, whatever. But there's, there's nothing up there for like hundreds of miles, you know, and a lot of them like Montana, like what, Wyoming is a huge state. There's like eight people that live there, you know, and I, I've been all over this country. I've camped all over this country and yeah, there's a lot of places where shit ain't. And I'm not saying that Sasquatch <laughs> is real. I, you know, I feel like we would have discovered it, but like, you know, that you might have weird people living in the woods that could get mistaken for something like that. That that feels perfectly plausible to me. And I, I'd like to believe they're Sasquatches. It's the greatest word ever invented. So that's an old cartoon reference in case anybody knows. And now a word from our sponsor, Sasquatch. <laughs> if anybody gets that reference, bravo, I love you. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows? I, I, I like to believe that there's stuff out there we don't know. I don't know if it's Sasquatch, but I kind of choose to believe in this stuff because fucking the world sucks. So we might as well have something good that, you know, we can think is out there, right? Right? That's how this works. I, I fall in the category of desperately wanting this shit to be real, but not believing at all that it is. <laughs> I'm just like, please prove me wrong. Somebody discover this shit. I'll be so happy and, and welcoming of it. But I just, uh... but I mean, obviously, who knows? I just, I like the idea of Bigfoot more than obviously that I actually believe in it. And you know what? Let me tell you one more, one more non-tangential story. Because what the fuck? I'm on a roll. We used to go to get our oil change and some work done down the street at a Midas. Yes! (laughs) And the guy that worked there was was an absolute treasure. He was a treasure. Like, he was my favorite. I'll I'll tell you a couple of stories about this guy. Nothing to do with Boggy Creek, but we'll get to that point. Uh, Really, the the whole point of it is the guy very much believed he saw Bigfoot. This guy was a believer. This was a guy who saw Bigfoot, said it ran across in front of his car. And which is, you know, I just made me love this guy. Like one time I went in there and I had a book. It was, in fact, it was Christopher Moore's Coyote Blue. I remember that very specifically. And he was doing an oil change, a couple other things. And I sat down and he looks over and he's like, you're reading a book for? No, 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 no. Let me put on a movie. And I'm, you know, like, okay. Guy puts on Goodfellas. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. In this waiting room, waiting for my car to get done, watching Goodfellas instead of reading this book that I brought with me. And this guy was just talking about how much he loves the film during it. It was great. One time, my wife called him, and I forget the exact reason, but, you know, it was like, you know, we needed something done and it was going to be expensive. And she said, well, I don't know if we can do that. And he just told her, he said, this is America. All you need is courage. And I've never forgotten it, man. <laughs> this guy was a king. I don't know his name. I don't know what happened to him. It's not there anymore. But oh. but yeah, he, he saw Bigfoot. I think he saw it in Delaware. I've only ever seen it on a golf course in Maryland. So <laughs> It was kind of rusty colored. Yeah. <laughs> kind of rusty colored. But he was there. I got pictures. <laughs> that one was for Randy and the other guys in my disc golf group who listened to this. So yeah. So anyway, who knows? Bigfoot and the legend of Boggy Creek. I think now that I've, I've been talking nonstop about it for like half an hour, uh, I think this was really more of an er movie for me than I thought it was. Before we get too far into the film, Nick, you want to do the production rundown? Yeah, sure. I can do that. So this is the legend of Boggy Creek, which came to us at 1972. Its director and cinematographer was Charles B. Pierce. 
who worked on Boggy Creek 2, and the legend continues. The Town That Dreaded Sundown, and Winterhawk. Also a set director on Foxy Brown and Coffee. Oh, hi. <laughs> Before doing this, he was a set director. So sadly, we didn't get Pam Greer and Sid Haig in oh The Legend God. of Boggy Creek. <laughs> that would been a hell of a movie. Written by Earl E. Smith, who also wrote The Town of Dreaded Sundown, The Shadow of Shakara, and Winterhawk. Edited by Tom Boutros, who edited The Hideous Sun Demon, The Shadow of Shakara, and The Town of Dreaded Sundown. Noticing the theme here. Yeah, a lot of overlap. Yeah. Special effects by Jack Bennett, who worked on Flight of the Navigator, Mars Needs Women, Don't Look in the Basement, and Har High. We have no overlap, I don't think. Because uh, I have several for Jack Bennett, and I don't think that, that's how many he worked on. I'm oh, shocked yeah. Nick only had four. As we discussed yeah, earlier, this one, is where two, Nick three, shines. Four, five, six, seven, eight. I got nine. And then, well, you said the average was at the beginning. So. Fifteen. <laughs> I'm only going to cite a couple. Now I want to hear him. Of the night. So I, I wrote down Zontar, the thing from Venus, because of course, Curse of the Swamp Creature, which feels like it could have been this movie. So it was, might just be an, you know, a foreign release of this movie. And it just got a second IMDb entry. Uh, he did Deadly Blessing, Wes Craven. Wow. Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Uh, Rotor. But the main ones I wanted to mention are, he was the special effects person on Silent Rage. Which is the Chuck Norris versus Michael Myers movie, which I nice. can't wait to do on this podcast someday. <laughs> I so want to do Silent Rage. And he also did fucking Lone Star, the John Sayles movie, which is fucking great. Uh, he did Boys Don't Cry. Yep. <laughs> it was like one of his last credits. But I'll also throw in for Jake, he did Necessary Roughness. So, Aw, nice. But yeah, <laughs> there's five exclamation points when I saw Silent Rage. Was, ah! <laughs> <laughs> that movie's wild. Music was by Jimmy Mendoza Nava, who worked on Orgy of the Dead, The Brotherhood of Satan, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, The Shadow of Shikara, and Vampire Hookers. Nope, we're good. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. This movie, he also did the music for Mausoleum, which I'm only mentioning it because Mausoleum had been on my two watch list for a long time, and I finally sat down and watched it. Boy, was that worth the watch. That's another one I can't wait to do on this podcast. And we have, produced by PNL, who only produced this, and distributed by Halco International Pictures, who also distributed The Brain from Planet Arose, Winterhawk, Creature from Black Lake, The Undertaker and His Pals. And I think it's worth mentioning two other actors, because like I said, most people in this either were playing themselves or never worked anything else ever again. Or playing slightly not themselves. So the one other person, uh, two other people I wanted to mention are Jim the Boy in the beginning, who also was in Winterhawk, Hawkins Breed, and the Norseman. And apparently there's a hunter in there, played by Bill Hunt. Apt. Who did special effects for Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, Skinner, <laughs> Pumpkinhead 2, Bloodwings, and In the Mouth of Madness. Wow. Yeah, I had to mention that. Wait, so one of the random hunters in this was a special effects guy? That did In the Mouth of Madness. Yep. That's fucking wild. I love it. That's a Carpenter <laughs> connection. Oh. I was really hoping when you said that you had two more actor credits that you were just going to throw in something completely made up. <laughs> and the man inside the the, the Falk monster suit? Paul Schofield. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple years after he did Man for All Seasons, he's just there. Footage of him on set. 
Now, when I come out from behind the tree, how would you like me to swing my arm? Paul <laughs> Schofield. I was just talking about his. This was two years after he did Peter Brook's King Lear, and that's an unappreciated adaptation of King Lear. More people should see that. I don't know if it's out. I have an old VHS of it. But See, this makes me want to do one of two things. Either create my John Carpenter connection to combat with Jake, <laughs> or just like start introducing Bobo Johnson and how he's in every film we ever do. <laughs> I was also expecting you to say the distributor was Charles B. Pierce's Dodge Darts trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. Distributed every Friday in the parking lot. Well, if it's funny because if you go on the website, one of the things it says is that the film is available for like drive-ins and theater showings and stuff. And now I just want this to be like the first scary stuff premiere drive-in, you know, sponsor, you know, fucking Legend of Boggy <laughs> Creek. How awesome would that be on that that drive-in that was over in... in... Bear? That was, it was in Bear for like eight minutes yeah. last year. Like if they come back... It was there like three, four months... I went to it once. I saw the new Candyman there. Oh my god, it was great! <laughs> like, how good would that be? Scary stuff prevents the Legend of Boggy Creek at this drive-in drive theater. Thing. That's yeah. sketchy as shit. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> I would think you would force them to show Synchronic at a spite from 2021. <laughs> it's a double feature. <laughs> a feature of Synchronic because no one near us fucking showed that movie last year. Yeah, we were we were ready to drive like eight states over if we could just we find kept a drive. We expanding the fucking yeah. radius on that search on Fandango. It's like, just not hundred mile, fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty. What the fuck? Very disappointing. At least we're still bitter. <laughs> you got to hold on to something. Fifty episodes, something's never changed. <laughs> Scary stuff. The pod where we never let shit go. <laughs> Start retitling all our bonus episodes. Of, and another thing. <laughs> you fucking kids. <laughs> I All right. So to talk about the movie a little bit, just because we're here, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? It's It really is a very weird kind of film. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think I... What, what, what the, how did I describe it to you? It's like the love child of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> yeah, except you didn't say Harry and the Hendersons. My autocorrect. What can you, I say? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said Henry and the Hendersons, which I assume is the rich people version. Henry and the Henderson. <laughs> now, Harry and the Hendersons, that's a movie about a Bigfoot. That's all with John Lithgow, right? Yep. That's a hell of a ride. I didn't look it up. I just made fun of you when you said it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, it's funny because like so one of the things going into this like i said i had a visceral reaction watching it again and i remember it being scary and of course you know now it's not but it really did like it i was really on edge for a lot of watching it again just because of those like childhood feelings of watching which is funny because fucking bigfoot movies are not scary like i have never been scared by a bigfoot movie that i can recall and i i you know i watched the one made by um i'd say willow creek willow creek which i haven't seen i i am woefully underseen on squatch movies so yeah no i saw willow creek and i know a lot of a lot of found footage people love it i it didn't it didn't do it for me probably because bigfoot is just not scary to me but then watching this which is essentially a bigfoot movie I know I had that those childhood feelings that just bubbled up of of being frightened and then you know i realized i'm just watching 11 teen crab trees you know, running around the woods, <laughs> you know, chasing after a shambling mound. I mean, it's also spot check my Delaware accent. Did I say <laughs> Willow Creek or did I say Crick? 
You said Creek. <laughs> because one of the things that occurred to me in this movie, when we were watching that they keep talking about Falk, Arkansas, I was like, you know, with with the Delaware accent where Creek becomes Crick, water becomes water is like in Delaware, that would absolutely would absolutely be the fuck monster. <laughs> <laughs> Damn fuck monster been seen again. Oh, so many jokes I'm not gonna make right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, the movie, it starts out very much, you know, with the, the voiceover and... The opening is great. The first two minutes, I think, are are terrific. Yeah, the opening, you know, you get this weird-ass kind of, uh, I don't want to call it creepy, but foreboding nature scene that it opens with. And then it cuts to the kid running across the field. With the, the kid you know, was the... good. Yeah. The, everything until he gets to the, to the shed. Well, even that's good in its way, but... <laughs> The opening couple minutes are legit. It, like it's black screen, and the and we've talked before about the importance of sound in movies. The way they layer the sound in that opening is it's water dripping, then bullfrogs, and then birds. Then it's and it's just the way they keep layering on these noises, and then just these you know silent you know shots of the the bog and stuff. And then the the sequence of the kid running, it's one of those that actually has some of the more interesting camera work. Like it has the one shot from of him running from one side of the frame to the other, but the camera's like way at the other end of the field. Yeah. It's like, that's some interesting camera work in the opening. You know, it, it was a beautiful nature film. I'll say that much. It, it, was, <laughs> it, was, it, it was some beautiful shots of the country, great colors, you know, and, and the, the, you're right. The sounds are fantastic and the animals and it was it, for a full understanding of like the Arkansas, you know, flora fauna. This is a great film. Well, fauna, <laughs> because that was something I took issue with in the Crabtree song, which we'll get to later. But it's the refrain of that is, and no one see the flowers, baby. What fucking flowers? It's not flower one in this movie. There are very few flowers. It is moss, mud, grass, and barbed wire. <laughs> it's all this mo- also beavers. There's a lot of beavers. <laughs> I'm sure there are some flowers, but it's and no one see the flowers. There's no flowers in this sequence. Whole movie takes place in a place they call the bottoms. What were you expecting? The fucking Longwood Gardens? Soggy bottom squatches. This was <laughs> That's that's the name of your porn video. <laughs> Jesus. Speaking of the fuck monster. <laughs> the fuck monster of soggy bottom squatch. <laughs> Can we outlude the hocus pocus episode? <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. Those first two minutes are like really kind of creepy and, and and wigged out. And then he runs that old dude's like, bugger off, kid. <laughs> but the old dude is Willie E. Willie E. Will E. E. I don't even remember. Smith, whatever. It's like, Will E. E. And that's what I, all I would call him. Every, what's up, Mr. Will E. E. And, I, and I, I take from your monologue there, then the way you said that, Nick, that you didn't particularly care for this. But I will say, what you said was kind of accurate. There's a lot of this film that does feel like a bit of a, not so much a horror movie in a lot of it, but just sort of a record of a lifestyle and an area and a, a way of life, you know, for sort of poor, I don't want to call them swamp folk because that's probably bad. I don't really know, but it feels like it's bad. Rural Arkansas. Rural, Rural Arkansas. Yeah. But, you know, a, a certain kind of underclass that doesn't very often get documented, you know, particularly well or. You know, and it, it's not made fun of at all no. here. Like, no, these no. aren't people that this is like, you know, ha, ha, look at these six or whatever. It's very reverent of the society. It's, it's very much, yeah. these are just 
people and this is just how they lived yeah, and this, this is, is what was happening to them. Yeah. This is Arkansas. And I, I guess Pierce is from around there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. all his movies are set in fucking Texarkana, at least the first two. I wish I had seen this when I was a child. Well, that was a pause. <laughs> I, just, I just thought there was more coming. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I do wish I had seen this as a child. I think I would have appreciated it more. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, I saw it as a kid because it was on basic channels. Right. You had cable, so there was no need. <laughs> you had access to the name brand movies. We had The Legend of Boggy Creek. Much like this movie is about the rural demographic, Nick was in the Metropolitan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were watching this on Fuzzy Rabbit Boggy Ears. Creek is for the proletariat. Now, <laughs> now, now, just because... Nick had... doesn't want to watch movies about the pores. Come on. I, I mainly stuck to Commander USA's groovy movies. So I got a lot of, like, Alligator and, you know, Chud. <laughs> Name brand. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Nick was eating Rice Krispies and not fried rice or whatever the, you know, the, the, the <laughs> poppin' rice or whatever the, the, the store brand was. <sighs> There's the one house uh, in like the two third mark with the family living in. I think it's the Walraven house is what they call it that they're renting where it's because, I mean, everything is, is very run down and very rural. And all of a sudden you get that one house later on. And I was like, oh, man, look at look how nice the fridge is. And it got all that that nice, fancy kitchen. They got linoleum and <laughs> shit in there. I was like, oh, this is this was the Fraggle Rock money house of <laughs> of foul, except it's 1972. So then they called it Maud money. <laughs> it's funny like another thing i was thinking is like how how weird would it be for kids to like kind of watch this now you know there's no phones there's no like none of these people have tvs it's all perfectly normal for you know to not have that stuff and like all i can think is what what would you tell your kids now it's like this is what we did back in the day we just sat in the dark waiting to be scared by bigfoot running around with guns <laughs> <laughs> the movie explicitly posits that if these folks don't have hunting the entire economy would collapse because it says yeah. that it's like they go to cafes and talk about the mink they caught or whatever and it's it's all hunting and fishing if they did not have that there would be no conversation and falk society would collapse entirely yep. it's that is the fulcrum on which what semblance of civility falk in 1972 had rests well again the only person who was reading a book was looking at it like she'd never seen what a book does before <laughs> She keeps going back and forth with this one page. You know, and again, we're we're making jokes. The the film is, you know, here are these people. It doesn't, it's not judging or anything. No, yeah, we, yeah. we are because we're assholes, but. <laughs> and Nick was rich, you know, but. Yeah, I can identify with this with this movie. I, I grew up in Aurora. I'm no Fraggle Rock. So. Yeah. Like I said, I spent a lot of time in the woods, man. This shit makes sense. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a hunter or a trapper or anything, but, you know, all the playing in the woods and exploring and you know taking boats out into weird fucking bogs and shit yeah we did that we didn't have like a two-minute interlude in a song like the tim crabtree song that doesn't have anything to do with the boggy creek monster other than after a five-minute sequence the old guy goes yeah i don't believe in it and then it just <laughs> might be my favorite sequence in the movie the kid, tim crabtree gets a song about him and he's in the bottoms and he's, you know, going along and he's camping and, you know, you get these these nice scenes of him camping and, he, you know, he helps out this old guy who lives in here and doesn't like Herb people. Jones. Herb Jones. And then it just doesn't go anywhere or mean anything. Like, it has nothing to do with, you know, and then finally they say, and some people ask him and it's like, yeah, I don't believe in that monster. Next scene. I'm like, what what happened? <laughs> I just love these, you know, these 
Travis, you know, boats out there and he, and he sees Herb and that is, you know, it's got this huge bottle tree and it's his one bit of conversation. Did you see my bottle tree? I just wanted him to have a huge vote George McGovern signed. <laughs> Herb Jones, big liberal. But the other bit I like about the Herb Jones scene is I could be wrong. He could have done his own dialogue, but it really sounds like they were like, Herb, can you read this for us? No, I will not. Because it really sounds like they brought in a not Herb Jones to do the ADR for, for Herb Jones. Some of the ADR in this is weird. But before that, in the sequence where Travis is is boating around and there's that goddamn <laughs> It's Travis Crabtree. flowers, but me. It fucking. It's it's such a goddamn earworm. But during that montage of him making scrambled eggs and shit, he has a box behind him. And so earlier in the film, when we see young Travis running for help, we see the general store in town, which is named Dickerts. And there's the cardboard box of shit he's bringing to Herb Jones. Vicks Vapor Rub. It's a Vicks Vapor Rub <laughs> sign. But the Vicks is struck through with a Sharpie. And above it is handwritten Dickerts over the Vicks. Like, does Dickerts do that with all their <laughs> merchandise and draw over it and store brand it by hand? It's like, I love Dickerts 57 sauce. You know, those Dickerts and Dickerts products. <laughs> you know, everything is just handwritten Dickerts. This costs two bucks more than down the lane. What's well, because it's a Dickens version. What'd you get for that? You get, you get the time it takes me to scrap out that name with a marker. <laughs> I was like, I was like, why did they just struck? I mean, it, the, the Vix is struck through. It's not like just Dickens. Like, Vix, <laughs> fuck that. Dickens, vapor rub. And, and it's kind of funny. Like, so, but that was one of the scenes that really drives home that a lot of this is, it, it feels very much like more of a, a documentary about a people than a people and a monster. And that was one of the scenes that really struck me with that. Plus the fact that there's two songs in the interlude, you know, like you get the first half of this, you know, and then the second half and there's back a couple of songs back. in the beginning. Back to back. <laughs> Why are they back to back? You know, and I, I love the one of them because it's like, you know, and all the animals in the swamp, all they do is eat and fucking die or whatever the language was. I forget exactly how it went, but that was the gist. And these are great songs. Like, I loved them. I, I, I you know, I still think we ought to do a version for our opening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna make a scene again eventually. I can tell I like this movie a lot more than y'all. I, I, I. Yeah, I'll say yeah, this. yeah, I can tell. <laughs> you both just went. Okay. okay, 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 okay. Again, I wish I had seen it younger. I wish I had seen it at that age where we had like twelve channels to choose from, and it was the best thing on. Twelve. I mean... <laughs> You motherfucker! You son of a bitch! <laughs> Not only did you have cable, you had twelve channels. I didn't even have twelve slots on my dial. <laughs> Eddie, I heard the consonant "t" and I said the vowel's going to be "oo" because we had two. <laughs> twelve. <laughs> Fuck you, twelve. And if I had seen it when I was younger, I think I'd have liked it more. I I have to say, while it was very pretty, I was just really kind of bored through most of it. It just well, did not again, hold it's about the pores, so I, I, I get mean, it. <laughs> it just you know, uh, I just it, couldn't identify with it. Identify. Where is their servants? It, it had a strong opening. The tax scene at the end when they're tack it's tacking the house in like 
eight different variant ways and they just unload death blossom attacks with the guns <laughs> inside afterwards i mean it's it's <laughs> mildly interesting the willie smith bit is great where we, in in the opening after the kid tells willie smith and willie smith is like hey a bunch of bullshit kid and then it cuts to willie smith shooting willie smith grabs that gun does not look he just yeah. steps out and immediately opens fire. Does not, he just, <laughs> Willie E does not give a single fuck. <laughs> I can see why people would appreciate this film and why it's a gateway film and why there's merit to it. But I have gone past that and it did not work for me. I look, I, 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 for a lot of it for me is, is certainly nostalgia plays into it. It's, it's these memories and these visceral reactions from a child, but I, I genuinely enjoyed it. It's just such a unique kind of thing and just kind of, you know, it's, it's sort of meandery. It's got that very languid pace to the whole thing. It's got the two song interlude. I, I, I just found it kind of fun and, and different from a lot of the stuff we've watched. And, and again, I am very drawn to, found footage mockumentary type style so it, it plays into a lot of the stuff i already like and it maybe i like DIY. that stuff because this of this and diy yeah you don't need to defend it that's i get it it's cool no i just want it on record why people understand why i'm better than you <laughs> in this case i just want to say why why we're wrong i'll say this eric well before i get into my opinion i need to say that nick i am surprised honestly that you didn't like this more because it's been a while since we had a Cthulhu Mythos movie on the pod. I was thinking that connection. I do think that. You can't tell me that these crab trees are not the fucking marshes of Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Falk monster is absolutely a Cthulhu Mythos beastie. And what beastie, you might add? From the Seven Jushes, Clark Ashton Smith, 1933. You shall know Sophiqua by his great girth and bat-like furriness and the look of a sleepy black toad which he has eternally. He will not rise from his place even in the ravening of hunger, but will wait in divine slothfulness for the sacrifice. And going close to Lord Sophiqua, you must say to him, I am the blood offering sent by the sorcerer Esdegor. Then, if it be his pleasure, Sophiqua will avail himself of the offering. This thing's fucking Sothaqua, which explains why he just fucking stands there anytime he sees somebody, because he's expecting them to say, I am the blood offering sent by the source of the court. That also explains his generally languid movements. That would explain the early scene where she throws the cat out and it dies. That was the offering. Oh. Or when the guy drags the pigs into the wood, you know, in the woods in the beginning. He, when you say, yeah, I put pigs out there. He just took them. Like, because these are offerings. It is one of two things. It's either a Cthulhu Mythos movie, like it's very much a you know, shadow of Irvin Smith, or this is 100% a Castle Freak situation where this beastie is the long lost hidden member of the Crabtree family. You were talking about they're just being, you know, random, you know, shaggy folk in, in parts of the country who are unseen. This is a long lost member of the Crabtree family who was kept in confinement and broke his old shaggy crab tree is, and just broke loose and is wandering about the woods. Hezekiah crab tree out there in the woods, man. We don't talk about Hezekiah. Except in this neck of the woods, it can't be castle freak. So in this case, it's hovel freak or possibly <laughs> lean to freak. Oh, I love it. I, love I hadn't it. thought of it in the Cthulhu, but now I always think of it as a Cthulhu. It's Sothaqua, man. It could easily be Sothaqua. They're the marshes of Arkansas. You know, it's funny. Whenever I hear Sothaqua in my head, because of the way it's spelled, I always think Tashugawa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
every time Sathaqua, and I know it's Sathaqua. We, we we fought him in our Cthulhu game, and every time, just sitting there in my head, going, "Take that to Sugarwa." You talking about the lady who's reading one page over and over in the book? Books that never miss mysteries. <laughs> That's why it's taking her so long to read it. Nick's like, I got a whole new perspective on this film. Maybe I do like it. She won't finish it, but her grandkids <laughs> might. <laughs> but no, for the film itself, um, I liked it. I for its time, it's it's very interesting. And the overall intent is is it sounds like Jake's already stroking his head. It sounds like I'm patting the movie on its head. You tried. <laughs> no, but it's no, I, I, I did like it because what it's going for in that sort of you know, just having people, you know, grabbing people who aren't actors and trying to get out there and, you know, just be yourselves. And it, what it's going for to, to have that, for lack of a better term, quasi documentary feeling it, it is definitely ahead of its time and is very interesting, but doesn't it, it not necessarily overly you know effective years from now. But it is fun. It It does. It drags a bit, but it is overall entertaining. It's a drag, um, man. You got a two-song interlude. What's drag? Why are they back-to-back? Why is it two-song interlude? Because <laughs> it's an interlude, man. It's called filler when you're doing back-to-back. <laughs> interlude. Like, what movie doesn't benefit from a song and dance number? And this one's got a song and beaver number. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the whole approach, I think, is really interesting. And, and again, trying to get, you know, realistic people. And to go in now that obviously given the people he got and everyone's trying, but you know, had mixed actual effects in, in, in terms of there's a very degree of, of performance quality in the film. But yeah, it's, it, it is fun. I meant to sit down and look more as far as where it lands in the chronology of stuff that would overall influence found footage and stuff that has a quasi documentary feel. I mean, you know, we've talked before, yeah, you know, there's Peeping Tom is obviously a movie that has literally footage incorporated in it and is kind of a sometimes listed as a progenitor of it and it also is an early slasher movie. Um, I know Cannibal Holocaust was 1980, I, at least I think it was. So this was a good while before that. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to dig in more and see the actual you know, kind of the cornerstones of stuff that build up to it and where this falls in that chronology. But it looks like it's pretty early. So. Yeah, I, I think it's very early on. And, you know, and I, again, you know, I recognize a lot of my, my like of this is probably nostalgia and, and different things, but I just, it's, imagine yourself being like seven year old, you know, little wimpy me turning, you know, flipping channels on a, you know, through five channels on a Saturday afternoon and coming across this and not really knowing what it is you're watching. And, you know, periodically it's these scary movies where this monster comes out. Like, and it, it's, it's just a perfect Saturday afternoon movie in my mind. I just I really enjoyed revisiting it. I enjoyed watching it. I it it clicked with me again because of all those reasons and all the stuff that I I like about this kind of film. Didn't being able to actually see the monster detract from it now that he was no longer just a smudge. It it did not. The illusion is shattered. It it was like watching a whole other movie, man. It was it was crazy. It's I wasn't thinking so much of the quality of the costume, but I kept thinking just in terms of of people trying to track down this creature and find it. It was like, oh, what if we saw it up close? Because, you know, until the end where it actually gets up and, you know, fucking gut wrenches a dude in his front yard. It's, you know, the monster is always seen from far away. He's dead still, but he's always, you know, pretty good distance. I was like, oh, I wonder what he looks like up close. And it's like, if you factor in, they establish early in this film that basically every five feet 
of ground in this place is a trap of some variety because <laughs> all Travis does every day before going to school is lay out a shitload of traps. So if you factor in the traps per capita in this, the traps per square mile, the amount of barbed wire fencing that's all over the goddamn place and the years of accumulated buckshot grazing, he gets <laughs> shot like eight times in this movie. <laughs> And doesn't go down. If anyone does find him, he's going to be like fucking Jeffrey Combs and the Frighteners. And my body is a roadmap of pain. (laughs) (laughs) That monster is mostly scar tissue at this point. Shot so many times. Uh, Yeah, he does, man. And nobody even hesitates. Just walk out the front door, shine a light, shoot it. Might be a man. He didn't answer. Fuck him. He's got Michael Myers resistance. I mean, it's... (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It just occurred to me talking about this is in you know is, is a essentially a fake documentary our first movie was too oh, return, return of the, the living dead, dead yeah. begins with you know based on a, a true, true story. story yeah and gives the date and shit. yeah yeah so that's a nice little bookend perfect i hadn't even thought of that one i guess for episode 100 we're gonna have to do another fake documentary of some sort or based on a true story lie uh, i love the ones that are like so tangential it's insulting like you know, they say Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on a true story because it was like mildly inspired by Ed Gein. It's just like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> just, these are two completely different stories and scenarios that just happen to involve body parts. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, this, this is certainly not that. Like, if you read up on the folk monster, and there's a lot of places to do that, I, I would advise our listeners to take a look because it's fun. But this is pretty accurate to those stories. You know, the people seeing it and, you know, telling their stories. And that's really what this film is, is just people telling their stories with, you know, what are functionally reenactments of their stories. I wonder, you mentioned the, the cat bit, and that was one that stuck out. Where it was like, found the cat, and it had to be scared to death. Which is bullshit, man. No cat is ever scared to death. If you sneeze too hard, a cat runs out of the room. How do you get in proximity <laughs> to a cat to scare it to death? I don't care how bad it smells. But also, a cat doesn't take that shit. They're going to go outside and they're going to, you know, if you're in its lawn, they may run at you. But their cats are, get a bad attitude. And when <laughs> things are bigger than them, they just get bigger. They don't just die. <laughs> Although I tell you, cats and dogs take a beating in this film. Like, and, and not even just oh, not, but- not even just physically, like psychologically. The, the scene with the hunting dogs, they pay, straight up calls them dogs cowards. Like pussy ass dogs got back in the truck fuck them that leads into my favorite line of the movie which is the setup for that when they bring in all you know the, the gaggle of hound dogs down the creature and the narrator excitedly says they even brought in some famous dogs from tennessee which is my favorite line <laughs> you think you'll bring in benji pa <laughs> i want to know more about the famous dogs, dogs from, from tennessee, tennessee if we're being yeah. honest i just like how they just all they noped out on the road like, they didn't even get no. into the forest. They just got to the, the forest part. We're like, wait, nope, we're going back. Forget it. The dogs are like, fuck this and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And I like it that it, it corresponds with, you know, like the fifth time somebody runs away from this monster and leaves something behind. Because it's the guy, the horse takes off and leaves the guy behind. Then the guy takes off and leaves his hat behind. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas before the kid takes off and leaves his gun behind, which, I mean, come on, kid. Of all the things. Don't arm it. (laughs) (laughs) It's already impervious to bullets. Don't arm it. (laughs) Yeah, and it just, I don't know. Like, just every different sequence I thought was kind of fun and for different reasons. And 
just different like social situations like let's go to the landlord and get the gun I'm like why don't you have one What's the landlord <laughs> got the gun for you're a renter you know you have to check in your gun with the landlord that way when he screws you over in your rent you can't go shoot him <laughs> i meant hey and you can't leave with your gun until you're paid up on your rent i saw like in the beginning where the guy you know he's, he's a trapper and a hunter and a rancher and you know when the good jobs come through he's a welder i'm like wow <laughs> all right the original gig economy <laughs> well, <la-dee-da. laughs> the fancy ass welder bitch over here <laughs> you know joking aside I, I do think the movie the reenactments they it gets a little repetitive i understand where you're coming from nick but they're they're done pretty well it's the songs like it's the songs like you can take the jumps the songs I love the song. It, it, it jumps. It's the, I hate the song. I hate the song. I'm sorry. I tried. I can't. I, the songs are just so like. Like what am I listening Come on, to? One of them is about birds fucking. Oh my As god. One of my notes. I was like, oh, this guy has a Neil Diamond quality to his singing. It was like, oh. Except no wonder his, Jake loves it. <laughs> Guilty. But I had my notes. It's not Neil Diamond. It's Ned Agate. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I was looking to see if the if the songs were on Spotify, and they're, they're not. But there is another song by some random dude. I should have written it down, which is called "The Legend of Boggy Creek." In fact, I think I may still. It's Rich Lapierre, "The Legend of Boggy Creek," and I, I listened to it, and it was fun. And uh, I I would recommend people listen to that. And I'll I'll try to remember to put it on our play. I got a lot of updating on our playlist to do, but I'll try to put that one on there for Rich Lapierre is going to get like five listens and go, "What the hell happened today?" <laughs> but yeah no the songs are, but they are on youtube so you can go listen to those i think the whole movie is on youtube probably uh for rental i think yeah i recommend if you if you're gonna rent it buy the the remaster but if you if you watch it on a sketchy ass copy like i did it's, it's a it's a fun kind of experience too in nostalgia nick would really noped out of that she's like i can't see shit they're singing fuck this i'm just gonna <laughs> wing it this episode it's one of those goddamn kumbaya movies isn't it i'm out <laughs> But yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't say it's a, specifically a Neil Diamond quality to the guy's voice, but it is a very 70s folk yes. kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah, I, I can't stand that. I'm sorry. I just, I can't. I love it. I, I hate it. I, love I hate it. it so much. Yeep, yeep, yeep. I oh, make man. him sound like Randy Newman. He doesn't actually sound like Randy Newman. It upsets me in irrational ways. <laughs> N- next time, Nick, you're go- driving any length in the car with me, it's going to be all Gordon Lightfoot, man. Oh, Buckle up. God. Hey, Nick, me, me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just a cool movie. It made me, you know, think of my childhood and, and it might be the first horror movie I ever saw. So it's just and that's cool. And I'm glad that I made you guys watch it. And then it tortured Nick like that. Feels like <laughs> a win to me. It was only fair. You got me. <laughs> you that's, owe me a that few. Feels, that's perfect for the 50th episode <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I thought it was really, A, I'm glad to just have seen it finally, you know, because it does come up a bunch and it is, you know, mentioned at the top, you know, this was a gateway movie for Connell. Yay. And it is for a lot of people. But so I was glad to just finally see it. <laughs> We're having seen this, the sequel on MST3K and then going back to this. <laughs> but no, it's it's fun. Like I mentioned, what it is going for, I, I think is really fun. And I think it is sporadic. <laughs> This, this sounds so backhanded. I was like sporadically effective, but it is every now and again. Um, it has moments of you tried. 
but it does have that 70s DIY quality that a yes. lot of B movies and and I don't mean that is when I say B movies I'm I'm absolutely not being dismissive but it's like the the 60s you know those low budget you know DIY movies that someone you know made for a nickel it's got some of that charm to it with the performances and whatnot well it also it was it was public domain for a long time so it's got it's like a lot of those kind of or it, you know it was until it got the the rights back to it so it's it fits into that category of like night of the living dead or um the carnival one carnival of souls carnival of souls yeah so you would you it's one of those you you could get at a gas station uh dvd rack because people would just put it out so it's got that kind of vibe to it i think but higher quality yeah well it was remarkably successful it made like 25 million yeah and it only cost like 160,000 yeah and most of that was crabtree money man so it barely even counted <laughs> If any actual crab trees are listening to this, we love you. This is all. But there's just a high crab tree ratio in this movie, and it's fun. Yeah, like I mentioned, it's the movie is it is legitimately, I think, you know, kind of effective at points. You know, the the opening deliberately so, the ending kind of unintentionally so because the not the final shot because the final shot just shots of the swamp, but the final bit where the the narrator, you know, the now older narrator is walking around the empty house and is like, oh, I'm still thinking back. And you know, I hear that, blah, 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 blah. But one of the final shots, it's shot from inside the house, but through a window. And I just really wanted a reverse shot for a phantasm ending where the cre- <laughs> you know, the fat monster comes through the window, grabs him and pulls him. <laughs> I was thinking something <laughs> similar. I wanted him to like, come up, <laughs> off screen to the side, just tackle him. <laughs> and like, yeah! <laughs> Get the after midnight ending. Pow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Oh, see, that would have saved the movie for me. <laughs> but you did. You did get a phantasm come bursting through. Thing yeah. Where the guy jumps the through the door. Man crash sequence is yeah. great, which is right before that in the final stretch. Right when, oh. right when the, the Boggy Creek monster fucks his ass up. Oh. He just gets him in a gut wrench and just like swings him around. Or something. He, he gives him the full business, man. He gives him the bog business right there. <laughs> That's what you need to you need to find one of these small league wrestlers out there that was wrestling as the Boggy Creek Monster. Eric, there's got to be something. Oh yeah, I was, that's absolutely a Memphis gimmick. <laughs> some some swamp beastie. There was somebody in Memphis who wrestled. If they had fucking Tagar, Lord of the Volcanoes, they had someone wrestle as a Sasquatch. Just have so. that like that that sound they always put. You know when they're talking about it, that like high pitch. It's not like it's it's growl, but it's like a <laughs> you know that that mournful, distant cry. Man, that shit gave me chills. Every time. Gave me chills. Loved it. So yeah. So that's... That's Boggy Creek. It's the Legend legend of Boggy Creek in our, our 50th episode. Unless somebody else has got more. I'm I'm pretty good. That's, that's no, what this I was, got, yeah. <laughs> it's our 50th episode. You're only getting an hour out of us. Fuck <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Which not to dismiss it, but I mean, it's... There's not an enormous, you know, so much of the movie is is nature shots or, you know, people, Charles Pierce founded a truck stop looking off screen or something. With some weird ADR. It's probably not even them talking. It's just like, we can't put this guy's accent on film. Somebody else say it. Yeah, the Herb Jones guy sounds like like Orson Welles or some shit. I was like, yeah, that's, that's not Herb Jones. Herb Jones wanted too much money for his own ADR. As he said, Herb Jones likes his privacy. I would say this movie's genre... Is dependent upon your age and experience with the horror films. I think if you're young or just very, you know, suggestible, it's a horror film. I think if you're in your 20s or older, 
or have seen Saw, it's a nice documentary of Arkansas. <laughs> I feel like Nick just called me an idiot child. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's be very clear here. I felt no. very backhanded, I have no. to say. Let's be very clear here. I said Now he's yelling at me like I'm an idiot child. It, you were an idiot child. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. You are a grown ass adult now. <laughs> well, I think Nick just inadvertently came up with the next Saw movie, which would be Arkansas SAW. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jigsaw in the bayou. Someone wakes up with their leg in a bear trap. (laughs) (laughs) Bigfoot will be here in an hour. You have to get out of this trap. (laughs) 18 crab trees in a bear trap. (laughs) The key to this trap is hidden in one of these 30 muskrats. (laughs) They'll eat you alive. (laughs) Let the games begin, (laughs) y'all. Gotta gotta get like I don't know like Billy Bragg or somebody to write the songs for that one. <laughs> I'd produce that movie. <laughs> I, would, I would make that movie. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we ended one of your childhood movies on the worst title joke imaginable. Jake. <laughs> it's also this is the rare movie that I really liked and you guys didn't. Yeah. I liked it. Didn't love it. Yeah. I can't even get a congratulations on the ketchup out of Nick on this one. So this <laughs> hey, is wild. Hey, I said it's a really good documentary. <laughs> I said it's a great nature film. There's, it's there's a some... great mythos movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend they're all marshes. This is we're gonna we're gonna start that Cthulhu game back up, and first adventure is gonna be in a fucking swamp in Arkansas. And Nick is just gonna be staring at me the whole time. Like, Fuck you. This is what you get. All right, I'm heading to Dickert's. Make a general store roll. <laughs> <laughs> You get Dickert's VapoRub. <laughs> oh, those Sasquatch stories. <laughs> oh, that Falk monster. <laughs> we haven't even told the context for that game oh, reference man. on it. Oh, oh that Falk monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have to tell the Oh, those ghost stories story one of these days. Oh. We'll, we'll we'll do that when we when we explain the just lie to him joke. <laughs> if we ever do cons again, it will explain. Got to got to see us at a con to, to get the context. Ah, no on our on a list of topics, there's a ghost stories theme, a list of ghost stories movies, and the header on it is 100. percent Oh, those ghost stories. So <laughs> when we get to a good a good ghost story, we'll explain it. I don't know. So yeah, I, I well look, I'll just say it, like I I really loved watching this again. I, I enjoyed revisiting it and thinking about it and talking to my brother about it. He he. I think he recently rewatched it too, or he's going to because we talked about it. Yeah, it's just fun. I'm just, I was, it just made me happy, and it made Nick sad, which makes me even happier. <laughs> <laughs> Jake has a new favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Bigfoot Schadenfreude, man! This is great. <laughs> did Did Hannah watch it with you? Yes, and she liked it more than I did. Nice. I always liked Hannah more than you, too. I know. I, I respect that. <laughs> I, I, too, like my wife more than I like myself. So <laughs> it works out well. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be somebody's first episode. It's like, yeah, they were fine. Then they were just mean to each other. <laughs> we're only mean to the people we love. <laughs> Otherwise, we're well... deadly polite. <laughs> That's not even remotely true. <laughs> 
got a shirt that says horror grump on it. I'm mean to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now I can think, all I can think is the, the line from Almost Famous. I don't love you, man. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope somebody's watched Almost Famous that gets that. Otherwise, I just sound like a weirdo. You don't both have to nod in silence. <laughs> I was thinking. I was trying to... <laughs> <sighs> So that's 50 episodes, right? That's 50 episodes. That's yeah. 50. Yeah. Mm. It's good that our, our 50th is closer to the Freddy episode than the uh, first episode, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, on, on a note, you know, people listening to this, thank you for listening to yes. these. Thanks for sticking with us. We, thank you. We truly love doing this, and it's truly neat to hear from people and to know that people listen. And, and it's why, like, I can't get over it periodically. It's like, yeah, we have fans. That doesn't make sense. I'm very confused by this fact. <laughs> yeah, like just as a concept, it's weird, but but we we have so much fun doing this, and and Eric has some fun and a lot of work, so you know he's, he's here too. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> we we put Eric through so much, so so the fact that we got the 50 episodes without him driving to our house one night and beating us to death in our sleep is. <laughs> really incredible thank you for your mercy eric thank you <laughs> like the pod that dreaded sundown soon but, you know. <laughs> eric's like make me snip one more joke motherfucker <laughs> I, yes delaware is a tranquil state until the sun goes down <laughs> Which is, like they say in this movie i can still hear the editors cry <laughs> <laughs> i i can't say that eric's editing makes us sound like decent people but he does make us not sound like monsters and I, for that it i doesn't appreciate hurt. it <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and i'll say this i listen to a, a lot of podcasts and the editing work you do on this one compared to other podcasts i listen to is extraordinary Mwah, chef's kiss like and it's it's ruined me to a degree to listen to other podcasts because i hear every fucking um and uh and you know stutter i'm like you could have edited that out don't be lazy Make somebody do it like I do. <laughs> Love you. Uh-huh. Sound like friend of the pod Fred here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, like Jake said, big thank you to everyone who's listening. You know, it, we really appreciate the support. We say that at the if you look at the descriptions for all of our episodes, it says at the end, you know, and thanks for listening. And we mean that it means a lot to us. You know, the people who take the time to listen, there is, there is no shortage of great horror pods out there. And there's, and we listen to a lot of great ones. Like, so, you know, we know. Yeah. I've got a big list of them here. So I'll, I'll wait until in the Christmas episode to thank them again. But yeah, there's, there's many, you know, it, uh, quick shout out to folks who've really gone the extra mile to support us would be Justin and Brandon from Eerie Earfuls and Kara and Aaron from Bad Girls Die First. A lot of other fabulous pods. We got Friends Till the End, which Erica Henderson's on, Nightmare on Fifth Street, Nightmare on Fear Street, Podmortem, Girl That's Scary. So, so many, so many, so many. Like I said, we're going to list a bunch of folks in the Christmas episode because that's where we get all misty-eyed and, and extra thankful. But in the meantime, yes, this thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you like what you hear and you want to leave us a review on whatever your preferred pod platform is, that'd be great. Follow us on Twitter at Scary Stuff Pod. On Instagram, we're at Scary Stuff Podcast. We have a letterboxed account, which is at Scary Stuff Pod, where we keep a running list of all the movies we've done. But again, just thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed the previous ones. We just had a run of episodes at the end of June, back to back, which was a good run of movies. We had Hocus Pocus, The Thing, and uh, Revealer, which is now available on Shutter. So, yep, yeah, so plenty to listen to. But also, again, Connell. 
thank you so much for your support. And I, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Special shout out, Connell. We really do appreciate it. it. It makes us feel good to know that somebody out there cares. And uh, yeah, it's 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 neat for us. I'm still boggled by it. Yeah. <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. And since we're doing this now, I, I, I do want to say one, and she'll never hear this because she doesn't listen. None of my family does. They don't love me. Um, <laughs> Uh, my wife. I don't love you either. Oh. <laughs> you must watch yourself. <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs> my my wife puts up a lot, Jen. She's she's another uh, you know horror fan, and she really supports the pod. She supports everything. Though she she bought half of the equipment I have as a gift mm-hmm. for me. So I just wanted to. I I don't. I you know we'll make jokes here and there, but she really does support us, and she really Absolutely. she really cares. She doesn't listen, which is why I can make the jokes I do, but um, we'll play her this little bit. She might listen to this one. She likes squatches. She does. She does like squatches. She, she's as much a cryptid fan as I am. Like, we will look in the woods as we're driving through just in case. But, yeah. And, and look, and I'm going to say this now because it's 50 episodes. Thank you to both of you. Aww. You know, we make fun of each other. We poke. We tease. But I love you guys. I, I sincerely do. And, and doing this podcast and, and each episode, I, it really is fun and memorable. Not... Like two of them, but everything else is just fantastic. Hey, I, I can flat out say, you know, uh, Eric is exactly why I keep coming back. Jake, you're nice. And, you know, it's. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love you guys. You guys are the best. Nick is just mad because I took all his money in poker the other week. No, you didn't. You took some of my money. I took a lot of it in one shot. I walked away with a profit. I don't care. It was not as big as I wanted. <laughs> I walked away with a profit just because of that one hand. It was. Pretty- I know, right? <laughs> yeah, we're we're exactly like this in real life, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no artificial <in> performance. <laughs> now imagine Nick and I once drove to Ohio together, like for nine hours without a radio in the car. Well, without a the radio we could control. We could control it. We just couldn't connect your iPod to it. Same thing. It's just we're just like this. <laughs> Like so, like I have a, an old janked up car with no audio jack, and Jake will never ride in it again. He's he's like, I'm out. <laughs> it's a nice car though. Yeah, it was good. I like it more than mine. <laughs> Not the stereo system, but everything else. <laughs> and if you ever need work done on that car, you can take it to a Midas run by a guy who believes in Sasquatch. Yeah. I, had I like to, to believe every Midas is run by a guy who yeah. believes in Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Please sponsor us, somebody. <laughs> Fuck Blue Chew, fucking Squarespace, fuck all of me, Midas, give us a call. <laughs> and this review of The Conjuring 3 is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. <laughs> and is it going to be brought to us by James Wan? <laughs> Wrong turn, brought to you by Midas. Bet you wish you had stopped and had us check out your car this time, huh? <laughs> oh, that would be great. Isn't there like nine of those movies? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot. So what's her face from Buffy in a lot of them, too? First one. Uh, in the first one, yeah. Just yeah, the first one? Yeah. I think there's like six or seven, because they just had a new one. So Wow. That's amazing. Don't vote for that when we put it in a poll. I don't want to watch those. <laughs> Why not, Jake? <laughs> I guess they are cannibals, so yeah, I could see your problem there. Are they? I don't know what they're about. They're about yeah, killing they're outsiders and eating them. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, that's not my thing, then. I know. But they're also like all like heavily mutated and like, you know, they got all their names are based on mutations like one eye. And so, you know, it's so it's like a riff on the hills have eyes. Yes. Ish, yeah. 
One of them's Doug Bradley. He's in several of them. Yeah, yeah he's the normal looking brother or cousin or something. Yeah. So now, we, so so what we need is the the Boggy Creek monster versus the people from those movies. That would be fun. See, I don't know. He's pretty unstoppable. I don't know if the Boggy Creek monster would like take them out or they just eat him. I don't know. It's... <laughs> but yeah, again, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Here's to fifty more. Yep. Here's to fifty more. Fifty more. We'll be back with more soon. But in the meantime, this is Eric signing off. This is Nick saying you have a great night now. This is Jacob trying to come up with some cool lyrics for uh, a version of the Tim Crabtree song. Have a great night. All I'm saying is Crabtree rhymes with Eric and Nikki. <laughs> Very disappointing. At least we're still bitter.